Hi, this is Daniel J. Hogan, and welcome to the Magic of Airy podcast, brought to you by magicofairy.com. Today I have a special episode for you, audio of a panel discussion I was a part of at the science fiction and fantasy fan convention, Conclave, in Romulus, Michigan. This panel was called The Beast Within, Werewolves in Popular Culture. Joining me on the panel were Stuart Sternberg, John David, Rick Moore, Charles Zaglanis, apologies to Charles if I butchered his name, and William Jones. Folks from the audience chipped in as well. The audio quality won't be on par with my usual episodes as I just set up my recorder on the table and let it go, so bear with me. The next regularly scheduled episode of The Magic of Airy will be online in two weeks. Until then, thanks for listening. Okay, well, welcome to uh, Werewolves the Beast Within, I think that's what it's called. Yep. Uh, my name's Daniel Hogan. I wrote The Magic of Airy. It's a fantasy comedy novel. I do, now do a podcast version of it for free. Uh, the book I'm working on now has werewolves in it. Uh, it's one of the main like, uh, plot devices, I guess. It's actually called The Night of the Lonely Werewolf. And um, Stuart? I'm uh, Stuart Sternberg, and I am a, an educator and a writer. I am currently hard at work, even last night, on a uh, zombie novel, which will is called The Ravening, and we'll hopefully see publication next year. We'll be doing a reading of that tonight. Yes. Later tonight, uh, I've had short stories published in High Seas Cthulhu, which I strongly recommend. The anthology, also Frontier Cthulhu, and Tales Out of the Miskatonic or Out of Miskatonic University. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that's who I am. I'm John David. I wrote this. Uh, Diary of a Lonely Demon is the first part of a trilogy. Uh, you can find out more at MorgallaOnline.com. And yes, I did those two. Okay. I didn't have any werewolf-inspired art, so I just thought, oh, okay. I Are there werewolves in your book? Uh, alas, no. There oh. aren't no werewolves in my book, <laughs> which is ironic. Which is ironic that I'm here, but hey. Uh, you just like werewolves. Yeah. I always, okay. thought, uh, always thought your average werewolf movie was either a hit or a miss. Uh, either it was really cool or well, really that's good. Something we, that's something we can talk about. What, 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 what is it you like about werewolves? What, what attracts you to writing about werewolves? Or? Which I've actually done. Um, I, I like the idea of duality. And I think that even if you're not writing about werewolves, I, I like the idea of writing about things that appear normal and, and you give it a twist. And underneath that veneer... You can see something dark, something repressed, something um, horrible. Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, obviously, uh, while it's not a werewolf story, it would certainly fall into into the the genre, the idea of the the duality. Um, the, The picture of Dorian Gray by Oscar Wilde, again, you wouldn't necessarily think that would fit into the duality, but again, you have the one character who remains attractive and, and young and vibrant while behaving in an abominable manner, while the picture that that has captured his essence uh, continues to de- degrade and to deteriorate to show his, his true personality, his true being. So what I've always liked about the werewolf or the, the dual nature uh, uh, approach in literature is to uncover, to uh, to reveal different layers of who we are and and what we have hidden. I think that all of us have something we'd like to keep 
put away. I think all of us have a private area. And when we look at this other work, it taps into that. Nobody wants their secrets revealed, laid bare. And the werewolf story or the, the duality, it, it feeds our that sense of discomfort. But there's other levels that we'll be discussing, obviously, mm-hmm. repressed sexuality and, and, and other elements of the beast. Yeah, that's kind of what I like about it as well, is you can have a character who, during the day, they're up, you know, upscale, good citizen, but then, you know, full moon comes up and they're, like, total opposite. They're, they're you know, murdering people, they're attacking strangers, you know, it's the whole Jekyll and Hyde type of thing, and I think that's what I always found kind of neat about, because everyone kind of has two sides of themselves, you know, the, the persona they they wear out in public and then also kind of what they're thinking on the inside how they feel inside like oh how's it going you look great but in, in the meantime you're thinking god I hate this guy I just want to rip his throat out you know not always you're, that doesn't apply to anyone in this room by the way yeah you're referring to uh, what was it Freud came up with the ego the super ego right. and the id right werewolves representing the id being mm-hmm. the absolute uncontrollable uh, beast within someone who does not listen to any kind of rules mm-hmm. who does not listen to uh it doesn't have a conscience or anything and just does whatever it wants and just comes out uh, during certain times with some people it's with liquor but still yeah. <laughs> with werewolves it's the moment. yeah it's that animal instinct reaction sort of thing yeah you had a question or is it the really young concept of the shadow where the shadow is the negative aspects of ourselves that we project out to other people the young concept of the shadow I I just legitimately you know when I I was doing I did a posting on werewolves uh, for my blog and started doing some reading and I was really fascinated by the fact that werewolves you know appear throughout all these different cultures werewolf appear um, you know through through Greek through you know through Roman Native through American Native Amer- yeah Native American and skinwalkers and I think from a, you know from a Hungian perspective you know, it certainly plays into this idea of uh, a, a consciousness that that goes back to the idea of the predator um, we all respond to the predator and when I look at what I was trying to figure out was where was the appeal of the werewolf? What what was going on here culturally with the werewolf? What we're about to see a movie come out in February. Um, is it Del Toro? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Toro. Del Toro. Yeah. Del Toro has a film. I wish he'd get off his butt and do at the Mountains of Madness, which he's oh, promising. Oh, directing uh, yeah. the Wolfman? Yeah. No, no, he's not directing that. Who is who's, who's, Del Toro? Benicio Del Toro. Oh, he's yeah. I'm sorry. Guillermo Del Toro is okay. the director. It's the guy that did the Mummy movie, isn't it? Directing it? Oh, him. No, I don't think it's him. I thought it was. Who, whoever, whoever's directing I could it. Be wrong. I don't. Whoever's directing it, the, the cool thing is that you have these wonderful. Um, universal films, you know, of mm-hmm. the 30s and 40s, where a bunch of 
gentleman who had been part of the German uh, uh, expressionist school in came to filmmaking, were doing stuff in America, or were influencing American filmmakers, and that gave birth to this great black and white, you know, shadowy world of Dracula and, and, and Wolfman and Frankenstein. And I'm really looking forward to seeing uh, an updating of the Wolfman, and they're they're, they're going to try and do it faithfully. They're going to have you know, it's Lawrence Talbot is the, is the main character. His fa- uh, his father's being played by Anthony Hopkins. There are several other respected actors. My fear, my great concern, is that in updating it, instead of playing on the elements of the Beast Within, which give it that appeal to to our inner fears, to our inner psyche, to, to touch that consciousness we all share, where we, we, we you either become the predator or you become the prey. My fear is it's just going to be part of the gore fest that so many films of modern horror have lapsed into. One of, one of the greatest films, I know you're not going to believe me to say this, <laughs> one of the greatest films that I have seen in horror was also one of the worst films I ever saw. <laughs> it was Hostile. Really? Hostel had an incredible concept, and instead of using that concept and making it something brilliant, they took it and they turned it into a typical snuff film. The brilliance of it was the idea of, of class exploitation, the idea that you have these tourists, these young people who would be traveling through Europe, they would take them, kidnap them, and then rich people would pay for the uh, um, opportunity to kill them. And, and, and not in real flattering ways. That was a fascinating subtext that would never develop. My my hope is that when the, the Wolfman comes out, that it's not more of the same. I don't want to see a, ret- a Van Helsing. Yeah. You know, I don't want to see. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. I don't want to see a uh, um, the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Ugh. That was a horrible film. But I want to see something that remains true to the archetype. And to the genre, and and delivers a punch. Maybe something closer to like Alien or something, where it's more about tension and just you know. You know, I I I joke about this, but this poem it creeps me out. It always moved me. And the poem is that poem given by oh. Maria Oispenskaya, whatever that old gypsy woman, which is even a man who's young at heart and says his prayers by night may become a wolf when the wolf bane blooms yep. and the autumn moon is bright. This is for China. Oh! Okay. <laughs> so, but you know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah, no, I got you. The creepy gothic feel of it, is that what you mean? Or? No, what, what concerns me about the werewolf in, in popular culture right now mm-hmm. is I'm afraid that in the next few months the mm-hmm. werewolf is going to be taking the same trip that the vampire has taken. Mm. I still the vampire. I'm a little concerned about the vampire. The blood's a little anemic. My concern is when. What, what's the new one? The Twilight yeah, and True Blood. No, yeah, the, no Twilight. New Moon. Yeah, new, new, new Moon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When the sequel comes out, what have I seen advertised? I have seen. Get ready. They have found some rather hunky Native Americans to play the role of the werewolf. You know. It's a love triangle. It's Bella, the vampire, and the hunky werewolf who will attempt to fill a chasm in her heart. Really? 
Really? It's all fluff, no substance. But, but you know, but it's, but what's ironic about that is that in that is a, is is the origin of the werewolf. You have if the werewolf is springing forth from the beast within, if the werewolf is represent representative of repressed sexual desire, of unaccepted sexual behavior, we're turning around and saying, but no longer. Now that behavior is okay. You can be a teenager and have sex with numerous undead and <laughs> and lycanthropes. But is it isn't the, was it the first wolf man where they had the thing where the werewolf always goes after the one they love? Or they, or they go at, I mean, that's what that is. It's kind of them doing their sanitized version of the, the hidden lust thing. And, and, and but let's keep in mind the wolf man, as that is presented, was written by Clifford. Well, no. Um, oh man, Simon, what's his name? Simon, not Clifford. Didn't Simon. he escape Germany or something? Or? Yeah. yeah, I can't remember the author's name, and I feel bad about it. I really, I like his work, but um, it was his invention. That was not necessarily part of the of the werewolf. But I mean, you're talking a time in American film when sexuality was repressed. Period. Yeah, that, that's what I mean. Yeah. So. So when it's not as as repressed as it was uh, when the when the first film came out, you're curious as to what this new film is going to uh, what this new film has to say. Well, you remember they used to joke, and okay, but you can make another parallel, another comparison. If you look at at um, uh, Friday the Thirteenth, mm-hmm. there was a whole slew of stock and slash films during the seventies and eighties where they followed the cliche. You know, who was getting killed? Well, if you had sex, you were a goner. <laughs> it made you a virgin for a while. Well, at least I'll keep it. But the the idea here is that by having sex, you awake this violence. You awake this destructive energy. Um, I'm sure it's no mystery that a lot of those stock and slash films became incredibly popular during the height of the AIDS epidemic. You know, I've been talking all day about how cultural movements tend to give way to different genre uh, trends. But the werewolf is a manifestation of that. If you look at, if you're looking at the one you love is the one they're going after, it's because you can't handle that emotion. And so your response is to destroy that which you cannot handle, that which threatens you. Because love will transform you. I didn't say that. Well, one thing that I'm looking forward to in uh, The Wolfman is that a lesser director... First of all, its look is truly awesome. It has yeah. that old... It has an old-school horror film look, but we can get away with a lot more than we, we could in the, in the 1930s or 40s or whenever it came out because uh, of that. But um, I am very happy that they don't rely completely on computer animation, CGI, to, to completely animate uh, Del Toro or The Wolfman or whatnot. It's actually Del Toro. It, a lot of parts, it's Del Toro in makeup. Good. And which, hey, uh, hats off to you for spending all that time in the makeup chair. And of course, they got Rick Baker to do it, who is just freaking awesome. I mean, I, he, he's the man. I interviewed him. Um, he had just done. No, I took that back. I, I interviewed Rob Botine, who was a makeup artist for The Howling. Oh, wow. And uh, one of the things that he was talking about was. There are two films that really changed the approach of the portrayal of the werewolf in film were The Howling and American Werewolf in London. American Werewolf in London was just staggering mm-hmm. with the, the transformation. And one of the things Rob Botine did was 
a, a lot of prosthetics and, and physical puppet work and moving stuff. Mm-hmm. And what you're describing, I'm hoping, is we're going to see n- not just CGI and not just these puppets moving, but something more along the line of something uh, spent with Frederick March in Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Um, if you look at Whenever I read stuff on his performance, his theatrical performance, this man didn't use makeup to transform himself into Hyde. All of his, he'd go on stage and he'd go through this physical metamorphosis using, you know, changing his posture, changing his facial expression, changing his movement, changing the way he, and he would transform himself without anything and make this incredibly convincing portrayal of the epitome of evil, which is what that one representation of the beast within uh, took. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of films, we want to talk more about werewolf films at all, or like which ones we think absolutely I mean, worked uh, or didn't work. Uh, I mean, really, uh, I think werewolves exist or are more certainly more popular in movies than in uh, than in fiction. Name name a couple of, of werewolf books. I mean, you might be able to name a couple of werewolf books, but could your average person? You had a good thing about that in your blog. Yeah. About there not being a Dracula equivalent of a werewolf. Novel. There is no iconic werewolf. Yeah, there, yeah. there isn't. Yeah. Larry uh, Talbot as a wolfman is the closest you get, and even that that's pretty, yeah, is, yeah. is pretty lame. Yeah. I would say the werewolves used in the original Halloween would probably be the closest to an iconic werewolf novel. Because that's what you see in like, role playing games. You know, the, the wolf on two legs. Mm-hmm. Sort of that, that really, the biped werewolf. Yeah. The biped werewolf is the more popular, and uh, I think what you're what you're trying to say is that it's become it became the mold, mm-hmm. right? For like ever since then, everybody it's been the howling. The I first one, American Werewolf in London, I think it's a, one of the top three werewolf movies. Absolutely, I like that they went to the old school werewolf, the original werewolf that was just a big ass vicious wolf creature. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I appreciate that. But I think that most people, when they think of werewolves, it's not even Larry Talbert's. It's the Halloween uh, style. That's a good point, though, on that. Like, what, which do we prefer? Do we prefer, like, the, the four-legged, you know, big old wolf, or do we like the more man-like, biped, you know, wolf-man type, like in the Howling? Like, one that you like more? I think they, there's a place for both, or? Well, I think, I, I think there was a place place for both, but I think the the quadruped, uh, werewolf, uh, I, I don't think people are as scared of because um, it's so inhuman. It's just mm-hmm. this, this beast, this monster, this this animal that's running around. It's but if it remote. has, yeah, okay. yeah. But if it's on two legs, if it still has hands, or even if it still has some sort of human kind of appearance in its face, like Del Toro in the Wolfman or what, or or the original Wolfman, people see a human being behind it, and just you know that makes it even more terrifying. I mm-hmm. think, and even more tragic, maybe. The the the, the, the human that's not going to turn the humanification of uh, of a monster is, is really cre- William Jones wrote a uh, um, on his, I don't know what was his blog he said something about when you see a dog wearing a mask you know it's time to run when it, and <laughs> I, I had no idea what he was referring to until I saw the what was the it was a what was the name of that. Um, it's a horrible film, The Unborn. Horrible film, but boy, that scene creeped me out. It, and, and then in the um, what's that other film? The one uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers mm-hmm. in the uh, Donald Sutherland version in the late seventies. Yeah. There's a scene where a dog comes ready. It, it, 
there's been a screw up in the pod, and this dog comes running down the street with human face. Oh yeah, uh, nightmares for the next six years. <laughs> yeah, you know. So I think there's something to be said. If you have the big monster, that's fine. That's not human. You have the monster with a hairy face, or maybe even a credit card. Suddenly, you have something frightening because you can see yourself. The identity is what's disturbing. Because that's what I had to go through with the book I'm working on now that has a werewolf in it. Um, I decided, okay, are my werewolves here? Are they going to be four-legged, just you know, big wolves, or are they going to be kind of like the howling? And I opted for the howling route for that kind of same reason, because uh, when I first saw the howling a few years ago, and it had first revealed that, that werewolf, and I was like, wow, that's really creepy. Yeah, you, you, uh, uh, yes? Oh, yeah. Yes. But didn't it turn out that Brotherhood of the Wolf, it turned out that the wolf was, in fact, some sort of creature, yeah, Yeah. that wasn't, that was masquerading, not itself, its owner. It's like a Hound of the Baskervilles. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, it's like a Hound of the Baskervilles. Kind of. Dog Soldiers is another good one. I was going to say that. Yeah. Dog Soldiers is just phenomenal. I think, yeah. um, I, I would just like to state for uh, the record that the first Howling is, is awesome. It's like, you know, like you said, one of the top three. Mm-hmm. The rest of them suck. But oh, yeah. Kind of, let's, just, let's just get that right out. Yeah. Uh, another, another interesting <laughs> aspect was um, another... Michael J. Fox? Yeah. There was yeah, I'll stop I suppose by. Jason Bateman. I suppose okay, both of you be quiet. Okay. <laughs> Can we don't like surfing on top of a minivan? Oh come good on. lord. Come on. <coughs> well, I was the actually about to ball. say Underworld. Uh now I do not I, I thought it was an interesting uh take. I, I thought it was a weak vampire movie because the, the Underworld films were weak was, in the vampire uh, department. It started with the old Mm-hmm. Well, I'm not saying that Underworld. I'm not saying Underworld did something completely original. I'm just saying I'm just, I'm just bringing it up because yeah. they had werewolves in it. But it's derivative. It's it's derivative, and it, if you look at right now in urban fantasy, the the, the lycanthrope and the vampire, even Stephanie Myers is doing this whole romantic trilogy crap. It look at Laurel K. Hamilton. Laurel K. Hamilton wrote five wonderful fantasy, urban, violent, great books, and got ridiculously caught up in the in the paranormal romance aspect and sort of lost her credibility. But those five books rock. And the characters, the tension come between a werewolf that she's falling in love with, I know, bear with me, and a vampire who she's resisting sexually. And they form a triangle. Remarkably, a couple years later, here comes Stephanie Myers doing the same thing. Yeah. And, but it's derivative. The, the difference that I really enjoyed from um, Laurelka Hamilton, and the reason I accepted it from her in some ways, is the werewolf in that story wasn't really. It's. I call it. A, it's a stupid distinction. A shapeshifter over a werewolf, because a werewolf to me is, is a monster. The shapeshifter was just dealing. But they still had the characteristics of the pack, the canine behavior, mm-hmm. and, and the alpha, the beta, you know, and all that. Mm-hmm. Video games, by the way, if I may sidetrack for Please. a minute. There is a game, which is an old DOS game, or Windows game, but if you can find it and, and get it to run, it's... Um, 
Oh my god, my mind just went blank. <laughs> Help me. It's um. There was one for the Nintendo called Werewolf no, no. Something. This is uh. It, this get, is like blades for arms. This is a character who Gabriel. Gabriel. Gabriel yeah. What's his name? Gabriel Knight, the Beast Within. Gabriel Knight, the Beast Within. It takes place in Europe, and people are dying. He's investigating, and, it, and he goes to a hunting lodge, and it turns out the werewolf, it's a werewolf, and it's this hunting lodge is being peopled with uh, with a pack of werewolves that he has to deal with. I think the story also has to do with some undiscovered. Um, Opera by Wagner, which involves the transformation. If she had written this as a novel, I can't remember her name, the, the author of the Gabriel Knight series, some of these adventures games were stunning. But that would have been an incredible novel or an incredible film if they had taken it and, and turned it into something. But video games have, it, it's sure, like Anthropes too. Mm-hmm. But that, the, the underworld, the, the Stephanie Meyer stuff, all of that pulls away from what we started with, which is the beast within. Mm-hmm. All of that pulls away from the duality. All of that takes, it trivializes the horror, it trivializes this this metaphor, it trivializes the supernatural element into a representation of teenage angst, unfulfilled uh, <coughs> sexual yearning, and uh, adolescent, you know, the adolescent uh, fantasies. Uh, other media that features uh, werewolves, like comic books, that are any good? There's Werewolf by Night. Yeah. Anything else you think of? Yeah, there's what? Mammal. Mammal. Jonah Jameson's song. Oh right. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because of the moon. That's yeah. right. But of course, there were werewolves in uh, Buffy. It's true. No, I think they. Well, you guys are reaching now, aren't you? Yeah, we are. We are. They serve. There was an episode of Scooby Doo where they found a werewolf. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's not for the line. Jenkins. Yeah. And then there. Why do you think that somebody. I mean, the werewolf legend is. It might be older than the vampire legend. I mean, just the whole duality of beasts coming out of something or the full moon doing something to somebody. Uh, Where do you think that it it came from? What was somebody thinking? When they came up with the idea, may I answer? Please. Yes, of course. Go for it. Disease that makes you Go for it. than normal. You know, some humans that grow hair way out and they were confused. I call them the face combers. Yeah. yeah. I got a funny story about that. I the was face combers? No, 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 no. Being hairy, because I am kind of hairy, you know. I was at a. Look at that. What is that? I was I was at a park one summer a few years ago wearing t shirt shorts. Kid comes up to me. I don't know this kid. He's like, Are you a werewolf? I'm like, Get out of here. You know, true true story. Actually, you know, curled up or whatever. I've heard of that. I think that. It's mixed like like most myths. It's a mixture of a number of things. I think number one, certainly it explains different appearances in some people. Number two, I think it we have a fascination with cycles of the moon and, and with elements of nature. I think a lot of the moon thing is just made up Hollywood. Like a lot of the world no, 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 no. A lot of the times we like related the campus. Hollywood takes some like of that Diego. and exploits it. Yeah, but. In the, in in the the changing and transformation again, the issue, the reason why the moon figured into the werewolf transformation is because 
there is an actual change that occurs with the moon. Oh, yeah. And and so the idea was, but and it figures into the werewolf legend if we go with a more modern telling of it, because you know you have. A, the menstrual cycle and change that occurs and, and the idea of sexuality and the repression. That tends to come, though, more from a Victorian or from an early Hollywood. But I think the origin of the werewolf... And it goes back to the Hollywood movie. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Not just that. And, and also other cultures. I think the shapeshifter and other myths. Is pagan rituals. Yeah, I mean, lots of cultures have shapeshifter. It, you know, it is ironic stuff. that the, uh, the that the werewolf or something like it exists in more than one culture. Yeah, I mean, people separated by thousands of miles, and mm-hmm. just and how uh, ironic that they they both came up with something similar. Mm-hmm. Well, I, the other thing is you you take something that I mean, look how something can be abstracted. You have a tribe, and in this tribe, you have a murder occur. I mean, serial killers, true. People say, well, serial killers are something that is a, a, a modern phenomenon. It's, it's, a, it's something that we see because of the industrialization and, and because of the growth of the cities and, and populations. But I think, you know, there have been killers, serial killers, throughout history. They just don't get the press they do now. Mm-hmm. But if you have a village and you have some guy who's killing, that how do you explain that? How, as, a, as a society where you're not dealing with psychological theory, where you're not dealing with sophisticated sociological um, philosophies, how do you explain it? Well, you can say he's cursed. Mm-hmm. You can say he's gone through a transformation. He became a wolf. He acted in a wolf's manner. You are listening to the Magic of Every podcast a free audiobook podcast by Daniel J. Hogan, available at magicavary.com and through the iTunes Music Store. The, the, other, the other origin of the werewolf, though, comes from, again, it's pagan, definitely pagan, comes from wearing um, hides or mm-hmm. skins of different animals. Yep. And the idea was how do you change form by adopting that and, and actually making that change. Didn't the Norse do that with like bear skins or something? Or I think yeah, something else. absolutely. Yeah, that's how they yeah. had their own world done. Yeah. I think it's Sigurd and his son or something like that went around and uh, they got these wolf skins and they were killing uh, other tribesmen. Mm-hmm. And then um, he told the son not to go out alone. They should always go in pairs. And his son went out and almost got killed, tearing people apart. And, uh, he took the, the skins away from him. I think he killed the son. In Northern Europe, too, think about the wolf in Northern Europe. If you're a tribal society, you've got an animal out there that travels in a pack. You've got an animal out there that hunts you. Now, that doesn't necessarily happen because wolves tend to shy away from human population. But that doesn't mean that they didn't occasionally feed on the person in a village who was out doing something or who was weak or who was injured. In the so, woods at night. Yeah, so yeah. the predatory nature of the wolf mm-hmm. is real. And it, and it becomes a real part of an instinctual fear, a real part of a cultural fear that travels on through generations. It's worth looking at. Mm-hmm. And Rick will certainly include that in his werewolf novel. I was curious as to, I thought you were going to go into a certain point that uh, wolves and humans share a couple of things in common. Let that, me hear what they the, are. The, the pack, the alpha male, the uh, the fact that they are a family. 
that wolves care for their young. I mean, and they'll always stay with each stay with each other for the most part. So perhaps that you know human beings and wolves had that certain aspect in common, and they will hunt together sometimes. What about apes? What about the commonalities in the primate family? I mean, but where the werewolf legend was born, were apes there? Apes, there, there are no apes. In well, why don't you have that same? I mean, it's worth considering. Yeah, why not? Why don't you have? Why don't you have that same sort of manifestation of myth in? Well, you do with like the Maasai tribesmen and stuff. They they have shapeshifters and and so forth. People taken over by the possessed by the spirit of jackals and lions and all sorts of stuff. And everyone knows that Bigfoot is essentially a peaceful. Doctor General, Mister High, he did take on ape-like qualities. Uh, this is right Pro after Darwin's book, and there was this concern of degeneration uh, hmm. going backward uh, in society, so that his character sort of uh, does that. And you know, because it's Northern Europe, probably not a lot of apes in uh, the history around there. But interestingly enough, uh, we have killed many uh, wolf species almost you know, to the extinction. Out of your fear. I mean, there, there was bounties put on them, and people would hunt them. Uh, and actually, if you take that to extension, I mean, the idea is that uh, if you look at like, what I find odd about what you're bringing up is the fact that it's the human, uh, the human race with the stronger predatory instinct. If you look, if you take aside the argument just killing the wolves, I mean, how many species have been almost eliminated or obliterated by humankind? Right? Where there's no particular animus, it's just our nature to kill and destroy. And, what I find out about the idea of a repressed uh, predatory nature that comes out with no rules or bounds which relates to killing or achieving what you want, that really describes the, I think it sounds like, what I have a problem with that conceptually is that it seems like it describes normal human behavior. If you go back through history, it's kind of hard. But that's to what we're saying. No, what I'm driving at to the other point, though, is, is we're imputing this as the wolf as the anthropomorphized version of that, but in reality, it's the other way around. But right? the wolf the is us. Itself. We're the wolf. No, no, the wolf is much more peaceful by nature. Well, you're right, man. Okay. Right? So right. that's what I find unusual about uh, taking the idea of the repressed uh, sexuality and violence forward. You know, the wolf is more peaceful, so I don't see the transformation. You can say that man. wolves are peaceful, but the yeah. next time one of them comes up to you with a gun and just blows <laughs> your ass away, well, I don't think... They try, but they... Uh, <laughs> no, you see what I'm saying, though, is yeah, the wild. Like, we, we go to extremes to kill and, and kill and kill, whereas, I mean... It's not that a wolf or any, any carnivorous animal is essentially not going to eat, but they don't go beyond that point, so I find odd the making a metaphor of something that's entirely the reverse. I, I think you would need the metaphor for it because, I mean, yeah. the perception of wolves are dangerous, and so you have an excuse. So it doesn't have to create a logical so, between you have a perception yeah. of it and transcend yeah, it. Yeah, you up. don't want to say humans are monstrous. Uh, there are some humans that are monstrous. Well, maybe that's the real function. So that's what the metaphor is. Yeah, maybe, maybe what it is is really it's a screen for saying that. That we're monstrous and we monstrous and we mute that on the wolf, right? Absolutely. Which is kind of a convoluted way to get to this sort of thing, you know. And there is uh, some reference to ape like monsters back in the early writings, just like Igor and Frankenstein was interesting, consistent and uh hunchback most things. Was it yeah, not was quite upright. Yeah, not upright. Point. Um Okay, how about the silver bullets? Want to get on silver bullets? Sure. Okay. Is that like is that like is, is it like Hollywood? Is that Hollywood or? One hundred percent. Okay. I, I when I, the idea of silver there is 
I'll be honest. When you look at silver, it goes back to a biblical reference, which is, of course, what? The 30 pieces of silver. The idea of the betrayal. Mm-hmm. And so silver represents um, the betrayal and, and redemption and purity. I, I don't have... I mean, I'm just thinking out loud. I don't have... I haven't researched where the silver comes from, why it would affect a werewolf. I think it's purely... 1930 Hollywood, 1940 Hollywood. I think I did some research on it. I can't remember what... I think that's essentially what I came up with, too. It was mainly Hollywood stuff. If if you want to, to take out a werewolf, you, you really need to, to just... You know... Scissors. <laughs> scissors? <laughs> Edward cut, it, cut it up. Well, not cut it up. It just needs a trim. It's a little. It's surly. I mean, wouldn't you? <laughs> Hygiene sucks. The uh, yes. Go ahead. Well, no, I I think every time. Let's talk about elements of fiction. Every time that, if, as a writer, when you have a monster or a creature or something, you have to build into that world a certain set of rules. Mm-hmm. In vampire culture, there's a set of rules. The rules are vampires sleep during the day. That's not necessarily always the case. As a writer, you decide which convention you're going to maintain. You know, vampires are afraid of crosses. Not all vampires. Jewish vampires. You know, Islamic <laughs> vampires. Yeah. Werewolf bar mitzvah. Werewolf bar mitzvah. Don't knock it. That's good. The, I enjoyed that video on your blog. It was good. Um, the... The werewolf conventions are there too. You know, the idea of... There are three or four conventions. One is that you see the, the, the star... Not the Star of David. <laughs> That's the... Yeah. yeah, the Pentangle. The Star of David you would see if you were the Yiddish vampire. <laughs> and, you know, and not silver bullets in that case. It would be... I don't know. Silver dreidel. Yeah, it, would, it would be a silver dreidel, which you would spit counterclockwise. The idea here, though, is as a convention for the werewolf is uh, you see the pentagram in the vi- next victim, uh, the, the silver bullet being the uh, the killing artifact. The idea, and this is kind of zombie-ish, the idea that if you are bitten by a werewolf or scratched by a werewolf, that you will become a werewolf. One, of the, one really interesting werewolf film, and I, I don't know how we neglected to mention this. Jack Nicholson Wolf? in Wolf. James Spader plays uh, his his comp- competitor, his rival, and he's bitten by a wolf or scratched by a wolf. And in, in there, the wolf becomes a metaphor for business. He'd be a me- metaphor for the, the, the greedy capitalist, a, meta- a metaphor hmm. for the, the wolf, you know, the, the hunter. And not a great film, but boy, it's it's... It's fun. The urinal scene is urinal scene is classic. I think the fact that that it was Jack Nicholson. If anybody else was in that role, I think the film would have been completely washed. It would have been complete wash. it would have been completely forgotten. It would be forgotten film now. What was the one? Was it Christopher Walken? Was it Werewolf of London? The one. No, yeah, is that what it was? The the one where they they find the flowers. Henry Hull. Yeah. Henry Hull. It, it was it was the played the character, uh, Roland Tal. 
something Rowan was the, uh, yeah. the 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 manservant, and it's about what well, it was wolf wolf a form of wolfbane, wasn't it? Yeah, like they were in the it was the Himalayas or something. The Himalayas. They found he, he was looking for these flowers and he got attacked by a guy, and then he became a wolf, and then he was trying to develop like a antidote or vaccine or something, and I can't remember. Y'all went out, but that was that was a pretty good one too. You know what they had in some of the old, uh, like in the, the older, what we call the Hermetica, the alchemical texts, where they're trying to cure the disease of werewolfism, or the like a juice to the wolf like drug. They would have essentially the the it was the reverse, which is odd because instead of silver, uh, something silver, it was always something gold, hmm. because the disease, the infliction of the disease, was of the moon. Which is, you know, so in other words, it was the silver. You know, there's. I bet there's a connection between silver and the moon. I'll bet there's right. some sort of. That's when they, when they were putting together for the film, that sort of thing. The, the, some of the legends were in silver for the moon, but naturally, a lot of the, the older alchemical texts, it's, it's gold they use because it's the counterbalance to the lunar influence of silver. Hmm. So it just doesn't have silver represented the moon. But maybe they couldn't afford the gold bullets. Yeah, couldn't afford the gold bullets. So let's let's look at some stuff we've said. One, we've talked about the duality of the the metaphor, or the metaphor is for duality of human nature. We talked about the fact that, in fact, the the werewolf, uh, we need the werewolf because, or the wolf, because to admit that we have that in ourselves is too difficult and it's easier to to uh, to put it off on something alien than to, ex- to accept it, embrace that as part of our nature. We've talked about some of the origins and legends of the werewolf from the Greek to the Native American and possibly some origins of, of lycanthropy and, and perhaps some of its real... I mean, there have been cases documented where in Germany you had people who behaved in a they said they had lycanthropy and behaved in a savage manner, possibly a way of explaining antisocial behavior in certain tribal systems or tribal societies, or maybe even some agricultural societies. We've taken a look at some of the trends in literature and in film regarding werewolves, and we looked at the past with the Universal Films and some films coming out, and I think finally we, we really do once again need to return to what's going to happen in the next few months which is going to be the defanging declawing and neutering of the werewolf as it becomes an icon a teen in, icon, a teen icon of, of, of romantic pacification don't you think that's kind of like the, the, what should happen to it though I mean, I'll, I'll tell you why really, like, like, like first, first off honestly like nobody in this room believes in werewolves right we don't have any fear uh, of right? you know, hello maybe, you know, <laughs> but uh, when you go when you go backwards at the time that this, this imagery was created for the wolf being a fearsome thing uh, going backwards like it really was like bears were like pretty fearsome right uh, wolves were fearsome and scary as all hell and all that sort of thing, right? You meet one in the forest, you don't really have much physically to compare to a bear or a wolf, right? Uh, but but nowadays, I mean, since the origin of the legend, this has really changed. Wolves are not frightening. They're almost frightened out of existence right now. Uh, the kind of weaponry and horsepower we bring to bear on wolves in general is they're not really a frightening species. Really, I don't see there was a huge terror point anymore. You know what I'm saying? Well, when you're well, not hunting them from helicopter, I... Well, yeah, I guess that's what I'm driving at. I see some of the like some of the attempts to empower them have kind of fallen short. I'm wondering if the, the, the imagery itself of the werewolf is no longer anywhere near as frightening, so that that's one of the reasons for this 
next generation where they become involved in the, the romances with vampires and the rest of it because really they're not there. I would, I it's would. Scary comparable, are they? I agree with you, and I would disagree with you. I would, well, I yeah, always disagree with you. For the past, really? Yes. Or, well, yeah, that's not going to. I think the future kind of is moving away from that. Is what I'm saying. You know what? You and me outside <laughs> after this panel. <laughs> I mean, the problem Rick is having is that every creature, every monster that comes along, it has an effect on. Comes <coughs> iconic. Right. Well, eventually gets made for charity. Right. And gets diluted into some kind of romance thing. Then it becomes almost a caricature, right? I think it's diluted because, I mean, look at zombies now. Zombies are so popular now because yep. it's savage. Yep. Because it's that animal desire to eat that carnival. And they're 24 7, okay. like a werewolf. Werewolves have always been that carnival. <laughs> this way. Right. You know, tear them up. If anything, like Buffy and them, you know, they be. I don't want to say the human as a werewolf, but, but they, they do. Were, make them weaker than they supposed to be. Like Underworld, I was disgusted that werewolves were that weak. I know, I know. Uh, they're supposed to be brute strength, savage. Yeah, yeah. Uh, be a human being pretty weak. Are they really weak in Underworld? That's this is like the yeah. most recent one. They were strong, but right. they weren't scary. They were subjugated. They were, yeah. So they didn't want to say that the wolf singularly. Yeah, and we're a terror. It works for fear. I don't see making it. They want to make it for PG thirteen and werewolves yeah. that may be definitely are, right. are, are. But you know what? I, I think that to answer to his statement, and and I'm sure you'll back me up on this. <laughs> and when he and I do go outside, okay. But to get back to it, I think what we're looking at is werewolves or. Vampires worked. Okay, ghosts are hot. Zombies worked. What else can we do that will make money? Oh, I know. Werewolves. I don't think that there was any sort of thought process regarding metaphor or representation. I don't think that there's any sort, anything other than pure greed that went into the decision. And look honestly on it, the fear factor that you're associating with the werewolves of the past the resurrection of that the, the black and white I mean give me a break I mean I know it's conceptually it's kind of cool to live in the past you just don't stop do you <laughs> no it's like they're not frightening anymore that's what I'm saying you know Plus, what they've done that's why they get away with this they created the whole sexual form yep. they carried it yep. but the vampires have always been sexual the werewolves haven't really come up with a thing that can carry it beyond I would argue though he's saying they're no longer dangerous I would argue they only do that the were wrong Let's look at something. Okay. These guys don't induce fear. I'd argue Jeffrey Dahmer induces fear. Charles Manson induces fear. I'm saying the same note. Hannibal Lecter is a werewolf. But these guys are werewolves. My argument is that these creations of unsocial behavior, which represent the duality, that's it. You and I are throwing down no, right no, here, no, right now. I see. I, I see where he's coming from. Is that these or, someone really ordinary? Who knew that Jeffrey Dahmer had people underneath his freaking well, house? Look at that. Like, this is the reality. This, this is, is frightening. Dahmer. This is terrifying. Mm-hmm. The construct to have to take and make a metaphorical basis for the fear because no longer people are afraid of wolves. That's a lot. But you're you're being too concrete. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? I, I don't think it's because they're not afraid of wolves. It's when, when you write, if you start to preach. Right. You, you come out and say humans are monstrous and you know, they're all like Jeffy Dahmer and, and you can control. Well, that's when you close the book. 
So you, you wrap it in the right. little the werewolf. Are the Twilight movies like scaring you guys? No, 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 no then that's a, no. Okay, so <laughs> that's what I'm saying. The future is though. This is scarecrow. What you're talking about though, it goes back yeah. to yeah. you're going after Jack the Ripper. No, the Wolfman will scare us. I hope so. I hope so. Jack the Ripper was a serial killer that killer fear throughout London, throughout right. Europe. You know. Right. So right. that was the Jeffrey Dahmer. Uh, right. Person. If and all these people are scary to me still today, but what I'm saying is like the the, the werewolf. Uh, that I was a younger, you know, a kid watching. Uh, well, the werewolf is fantasy. No one's arguing that. Well, they right, they transmorphed to fantasy. They didn't used to be. They were really scary. Now. because the parody is... Yes, and I think that's what's happening because when you're originally, like when it started out with it, it was for the violence within men and women, that basically, okay, the, the wolf represents the violence that brought up. When you move to the stage where it's repressed sexuality and stuff going forward, okay, you get ready for Stephanie Myers, right? That's if where it comes from. you write something that isn't Stephanie Myers. Myers. If you, you but, take into account the well, in the Victorian era. Yeah, that's uh, what I'm driving. You're right? going to have to, yeah. have, you know, they yeah. can't come out and talk about sexuality. Right. It's and, and now, <laughs> I mean, any, any raw sexuality to it, though, is kind of, like, lost in some of these, like, like, I actually did look at the Buffy the Vampire series on television a little bit. You are lying to us, oh, everyone. God, it's <laughs> awful. You own the entire series. Don't, don't Here, be alone. I want to make an, arg- an argument to, to your point. Right. I think that there is a fear among teenagers. Right. I think teenagers feel, for the regular lack of control you feel being a teenager anyway. Right. But in our society, they're expected to grow up even faster. They're having sex at an incredible early age. Right. The amount of teenagers, I mean, it's like, I don't know the stats off the top of my head. I've researched it before. The amount of teenagers who have you know have sex at like twelve or thirteen is is, is alarming. Teen <coughs> pregnancy is on the rise in the last couple of years. I guess when you preach abstinence, that's what happens. But teen pregnancy is up in that environment with those very real fears. Yeah, you have to find a way. Fears. Wait a minute. No, seriously, like when I was 12, I'm serious. Eight years old. When I when I when I got out the Playboy that my dad discarded, right? And thought he got rid of entirely. Fear wasn't one of my factors, right? It was like, give me give me the magazine, right? I mean, sex so was what not about like when you were around a real girl. <laughs> she when that happens, we'll tell you about it. <laughs> no, but on your teenage thing, that's true because but you you missed the point in the acting. Anytime they have something that no, I'm saying that, that was frightening. Yeah, and it, it's like the transformation train. You know, a lot of their peers look at them as monstrous. Yeah. So they yep. start acting. They start growing hair, and, and, and they feel monstrous. Yeah, I think I got all this like, from the, the 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 point I'm trying to make, and I think that where Rick and I are disagreeing, what a shocker! There, I'm saying they're not scary, and I'm saying. Anymore. They used to be, but they're not now. No, they're not scary, because, but that's not the issue. The issue is what they represent. And in this situation, in the Stephanie Myers situation, and in the Laurel K. Hamilton situation, you're looking at still wrestling with the idea of sexuality. That's why I'm saying that they've lost their scariness, because they've become metaphorical objects and, and 
objects for romance advancement. When written by those writers. Now, if this film, The Wolfman, comes out and it is. If it's any good, I'm recanting. I'm going to hold you to that. I want it on the blog. You're all witnesses, right? You know what? I agree with Oh, no. No, don't do this to me. No. Seriously. In one aspect, like vampires and zombies have created a new image for themselves, werewolves have to be created. Right. And they're not going to be that same. Listen to what you've just said. Stop the thing. Werewolves that would. Zombies and vampires have created a new image for themselves. The writers have. That's an important distinction because the, the, the archetype is still there. The archetype and the, the model is still there for mining and it still can be terrifying. It all depends on who's, who's creating. But you have to sacrifice the fear factor. Like they used to, what you're longing for is, is an age when werewolves actually scare people. Like when we saw them on the movies. And it's just like what happened to vampires, just like what's happening to zombies, right? They dumb them down and make them more saleable. They lose the horror. Uh, you don't go I ahead. write something really? that's horrible. I, I don't know that they were actually terrifying then. Well, keep, keep in mind the age group. Uh, the adults coming out of the theater when the old man came out? I was 40 when I saw it. Yeah, well, I, uh, most of them thought it was uh, same with King Kong. No, they weren't frightened by it at all. There's a cheap Hollywood effect. But the young kids I were, were, were horrible. I was. That was, way, you know, actually, yeah, look at the, too, yes. the only thing I'd say was would be that the things that were the most horrifying to me on this were when when it was the, the werewolf represented uh, the violence. Power. The appetite for violence and for destruction, that was scary as hell. Yeah. Then and now. Okay, the repressed sexuality stuff, I see it like, okay, I mean I understand what you're saying and everything, but that element of horror I associated with a monster. That's just one but gone. again, that's just one facet of the beast within. I sexuality. I think that you can have a terrifying vampire novel. I think that you can have a terrifying werewolf novel. I think you can have a terrifying film. And when I say terrifying, I don't mean that I'm going to sit there and be frightened of the werewolves. That doesn't mean that I can't feel some sense of this discomfort, horror. I mean, well, you used to feel pity for the werewolf. I mean, you saw, you saw Cheney. You know, it's like you know, I, I'm a werewolf. And I'm doing these horrible things, so I can't take my life, and I, I, got, I got to go someplace and hide and stay away from me. You know, and now the werewolves. Now you have these days. Are kind of, Right. Oh, well, I'm, I'm the biggest oh, person on the food chain. I don't have yeah, to race them out. I'm not a curse. This, I'm this the cool guy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's another thing. Now it's one of these big reward things like in the movie Wolf. It's a reward <laughs> thing. Well, remember the movie Wolf? It's a valid concept. Vampires. So you're hoping seeking out vampires and right. stuff. Right. It's so are you hoping for the new Wolfman coming out? That you are hoping for basically the backfield transition? I got this curse and I want to get rid of it, but I don't have the weak will. Or you want to return to Or I'm going to be, hey, I'm the biggest person in the food chain, nothing's going to stop. I want what Chuck just said. I want pathos. I want a character. 
I want someone who is portrayed in such a way that makes me care about them so that when they do transform, I go, please don't do this. Well, like, don't like, change. Like most, most villains you had back then, you had Dracula, you know, was very sexual, very evil. You had the mummy who was, was cursed. And you had the werewolf you had just had pity for. You know, you, you all, it, there's a lot of, you always know, all the old werewolf movies, you like, you cry for the guy. Yeah, you, like, he, he didn't want this on him. And like, he, he didn't do anything to deserve it. Yeah, yeah, he was just in the wrong place at the wrong time. Right. And, and now we're getting, we're getting into like all the Twilight the, the novels and stuff and books and movies. And you know, the last one really you really saw with anything with the werewolf having any sort of any sort of you know tragedy to him was Mary of London. And all the spirits came saying, "Please end your life. You know, please, you know, please stop it. You're, you're you're killing isn't isn't evil. You gotta move on. Just take kill, just finish life. You, you can't move on until you're dead. Exactly. That was pretty. I thought that was I thought it was a great yeah. part of the, of the story. You know, and he's because he was a haunted character. Yeah, as John Landis would say, he's a schmuck. Can't win. Yeah. Uh, the Howling. I mean, she transforms on, on yeah. TV and has her boyfriend and shoot her with a silver bullet mm-hmm. on television. Well, that's well, what zombies have come to now. It's like the last one where the where boyfriend, you know, they sat on the, on the ceiling together and he was transforming. And so, like, Give me a break, right? Thirty days a night. Thirty days a night. And even. There, there you have it. That wasn't sexual nothing. That was all. I'm a badass wife. We're we're a game. Now we're a vampire game. Yep. Mm. And there's a like, hack of vampires. Yeah. yeah. I like that movie. Three days a night. They showed it too. Yeah. And that would all that movie, which was horrifying, because they were because it, it was right. brutal and unforgiving. There was nothing human about it, those If there was nothing human about them, right. and if those were if those were werewolves, they would have to be the kind of werewolves they are now. Just a genetic as opposed to a Lancini type right. werewolf. Even yeah. Lost was cursed. And they were more Gentile than these 30 days a night was just becoming a kid. So that movie had some shock value for me, 30 Days a Night, right. believe it or not. I know a lot of people had objections about certain I liked it. But what I liked about it was when I turned it out, it wasn't long before I got that one. You know, just right that I had it. was like, you know, it hit you in the gut, right? What I do, what I see about some of these others, I mean, that's what I would like to see. The, when you're saying where it's going to go forward, I would like to see it return to that, that savage element oh, yeah. and fear that it generates, right? You know what you're putting into your novel? Yeah. When I first saw Night Stalker, Mm. It was it was on TV of all things, yeah. and it was the first. It was 1968, I think, and it was the first time that I ever remember a vampire being painted as feral, as unforgiving. Yeah. All the you know all these vampires before Night Stalker that I had seen were charming. Yeah. They were well, yeah, Nosferatu. And here was a vampire yeah. who was like, Get, screw you, and just. Yeah. And maybe that's what we need. Maybe we need an icon. A savage. A icon? savage who can come forward and give it a bump and once again push us in another direction. It happened in the 60s with Night Stalker. Maybe it can happen again. That did have a visceral moments to it, you know, really. One of the most, there's some terrible, that scene where he's, he is stealing from, uh, from the, the, the hospital, stealing the blood from the hospital. Yeah. He's throwing cops left and right. Yeah. He's jumping out of the... W- that was in Las Vegas, right? Yeah. yeah. It was pretty wild. Great film. A great made-for-TV movie. The dog soldiers had just almost a complete element of its reestablishing fear. 
I watched that a few times. Oh, last awesome. Weeks, and it, it had some shock impact. Or like the part where, like, where they're, they're eating the soup off the stove and you're thinking, that's not pork. Yeah. That's probably like human meat that's in there. Right. So, awesome. And I was like, oh, God, that's well, really like, good. In my book, there, well, I write screenplay. I'm just about to say near dark. dark yeah. That's another example of the vampires reclaiming their rightful place. Right. You didn't mess around with those vampires. Time to go to the pool hall. <laughs> right. Goodbye. Great stuff. We're about going to wrap it up then. Does anybody have yeah. any last comments or questions or anything they want to get off their chest, so to speak? Keep your shirts on. I I will be one of the witnesses for your groups. <laughs> <laughs> We're going outside. Everybody's scary. I'm about. I'm saying I recant at that point. But my fear is it's going to be like Francis Ford Coppola's Dracula, which also had Anthony Hopkins. In it. Yes, it did. That was like seriously boring throughout most of it, right? I like, like, really. Yeah, I he thought there was some really slick stuff. In yeah. it. <laughs> you know. Keanu Reeves didn't do it for you? No, no, I'm serious. <laughs> All those looks like so many people. Oh, I'm English. Whoa. We can't oh, take him anywhere. <laughs> that was the true horror of the novel. Yes, except for if, if you uh, um, take a look at it, it, it totally subverted and removed the core elements of the novel, which was a book. The, the beginnings of Stephanie Meyer, what it did was it made a love story out of this. It's, it's, when you have a, a Dracula, try and make it faithful, and it says, true love never dies, is the, is the caption. There's something wrong there, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know? That wasn't it. They made, they made Dracula, um, they made Dracula a, a tragic figure. They basically made him the werewolf. Yes. They, in the they, sense that which Dracula is supposed to be like, hey, what's up? You know, the line in Dracula that was still oh, cow. was, York, remember where he signs his letter to John Tarker? He says, uh-huh. your friend Dracula. Mm-hmm. Once you read it the first D. time, read that, that had kind of an impact on it. You know, he's like, your friend Dracula. The confident guy who struts in and says, hey, you're, you're all nothing to me. By the way, it's the liveliest discussion in some of these groups so far. I really appreciate you guys. You're about to go out and get your ass beat. You're trying to talk your way out of a beating. Offering to buy the coffee, right? You're trying to talk your way out of a beating. That's the most I've seen on an airplane. where they're all live, though. Wrenches and stuff. All right, well, thank you, everyone, for The Magic of Airy, the podcast. Written and produced by Daniel J. Hogan. This podcast was produced in GarageBand and Audacity on a Mac. Some sound effects and music are provided by freesound.org. Other sound effects and music provided by GarageBand. For more information or to buy a copy of the original novel, please visit magicofairy.com or danieljhogan.com. And remember, Airy is spelled E-Y-R-I. And as always, thanks for listening. Copyright October 10th, 2009.